All right, people, Victory and Bice's podcast, we back. Me, Rory's Blue, James Vec is back with me again. Norris Henley, scheduling conflicts, he couldn't be here. Hopefully, he'll be back next week. But you've got us, and we got all the latest news and views. So, to start with, Diego Maradona. We've got to pay, um, pay a tribute to Diego. He, uh, he passed away earlier on today. The news broke about an hour ago. And yeah. um, sad times, man, sad times, because he was one of the original footballers who was more than just a footballer. He was an icon, he was a rock star, he was a magician. He was so many things just rolled into one. And just going off of the, you know, the social media tributes, it's, um, it's, it's huge news and it, it is very sad. You know, he was only young in France and maybe some people didn't expect it, you know, him to live as long as he did given his lifestyle. But yeah, yeah to Diego, what's your, what's your take on it, bro? Yeah, so, you know, I think you mentioned there, he, he was more than just a footballer. I think most people would agree with that. But um, in terms of football, um, many people um, would regard him as the greatest player of all time. Mm. You know, we talk about the greats of today, Pele's, George Best, but um, I know people like Gary Lineker, um, a lot of the sort of um, previous generation of um, footballers yeah. will tell you that um, Maradona is the greatest player they've ever seen him. You know, I you know I wasn't really around. Uh, you know, a lot of people weren't around to kind of see him in his prime. But you look back at uh, him in that World Cup um, and around those years for Napoli, and absolutely unbelievable player. I was watching a video the other day of him. I think it was for Napoli in those really high shorts, those mad kits, just doing yeah, 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 the showboy, and then you could just you know the, the level of control and skill that he had with that ball was was something that. that probably a handful of players you could maybe argue on that same level. So a huge, um, huge loss. Was he 60? Yeah, he was only 60, yeah. That was it. Um, but like you said, uh, from very, very young, um, perhaps unsurprising to the people who, who knew um, his uh, lifestyle activities. Um, yeah. But if you were to ask him, I don't think he'd do anything differently. I think he'd probably do it all the same again because there's some life that he's had. Yeah, yeah. If you're going to leave a legacy behind leave a legacy like his whether he was controlling a football or an eight ball of coke like it didn't matter that guy you know he, he knew what he was doing and um it's a sad day it's a really sad day it's like you said you know he was um the generation that came before us he was there Lionel Messi you know he was yeah. that guy of that generation and I remember my father talking about him I remember all the other adults talking about him you know I remember growing up learning about the hand of God and and, and all these other things, and and he was just I don't know he was different, bro. You know he he really was cut from a different cloth. And every generation you get players like him. You know there was maybe sort of Pele around that time, George Best. Now you've got obviously Ronaldo and Messi and R9 and Zidane and all these lads are in the same bracket. You know they're they're incredible players. That um by the way that George Best and Maradona party tonight is going to go off wherever they are together. Let me tell you. Oh, well, a few Miss Worlds, a few drinks. Just that's just that's just the, the reception to start the night. Like you know, <laughs> that's, that's gonna be a wait till the after party. Hey, hey, wait. Oh yeah, but shout out to Diego Maradona. May he rest in power. Um, mm-hmm. it's, it's sad news, but um, yeah, our thoughts obviously with his family and friends and, and the footballing world. Um, we'll sort of move on to um from Maradona to uh, some transfer news that me and Becky were discussing. Which is actually very interesting. It um, came up the other day, which was Isco. Now, Isco was linked with Everton. He was linked with Inter Milan as well. 
me and Vecchi are going to focus more so on the Everton side of things. Um, what's your take on that link initially? I mean, do you think Isco would be a, a decent signing for Ancelotti and Everton? Um, well, I think, firstly, um, if you go back maybe a 12 to 18 months, you see an Isco link to Everton, you have a bit of an eyebrow raise in terms of really Isco to Everton. And you fast forward to now, and it's kind of not so much a, as a surprising link, considering the type of um, calibre of player they've got they're now under Ancelotti. So um, I mentioned to you, you know, before we went, uh, before we started recording that, I kind of see his position where James Rodriguez is normally, but mm. you know, as you pointed mm. out, and you know, he has played out wide and in mean, slightly other roles. So, um, if he was to go to Everton again, you know, obviously just um, just rumours at the moment. Um, I would be intrigued to see which one of them is going to play where because they can both kind of do that, both uh, play out wide, play number ten, play somewhere in the middle. So. Um, it, it wouldn't surprise me. It would be an excellent signing um, if they could get get him in there. But um, you mentioned Inter Milan. I think with Everton having Rodriguez, I, I could probably see him maybe going into Milan instead because I don't think Christian Eriksen is quite what, yeah. what they want. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's where I kind of see him going. But um, it, it's it's not a surprising link, really. To see him uh, getting getting linked to go to Everton. Yeah, the internal analysis out there is interesting because um, Ericsson has, me and Reese actually spoke about an Ericsson and Shaka swap the other day that, that came up. And um, Ericsson just hasn't caught fire in it, Italy. And I think he wanted a Madrid move, whether it was Real or Atletico. So I suppose from that standpoint, it makes sense. Obviously, Isco's father came out the other day and said, my son wants to go to a different league. He doesn't want to stay in Spain. He wants to experience something new. So that would logically put him in, well, maybe PSG, I suppose, depending on what they want to do. But you would say the Premier League or maybe Serie A. So, yeah, it's interesting. I think I think he'd do well. I think if Everton were to bring him in, he'd probably play a little deeper than James Rodriguez. I think James Rodriguez would play a bit further forward. Um, but, I mean, if you were to accommodate his score, he could play in a variety of different positions. Mm. Fee-wise, I don't think he'd cost the world. I think he'd cost maybe £30 million plus. And for a club like Everton, that's a solid investment. You know you're going to get a good player. And what you have also is something... That, when, when James Rodriguez joined, a lot of people kind of poo-pooed it. They were like, oh, no, it's a shit deal. Uh, what, what are you doing? Oh, my God, he's past it. You know those lot. It goes very much in the same bracket. If you have a manager that trusts you and believes in you and fills you with confidence and plays you in the positions you want to play and just says, go ahead and express yourself, you will get a very good player. And that's what Ancelotti does. He knows the player. So I'm very interested to see how it develops. Isco has to go somewhere. Why not Everton? As me and we yeah. said last week, why not? Why not? That's the question we asked now in 2020. Why not? You know, we've mentioned many times before on this podcast that having Ancelotti as the Everton manager is different gravy for players of that calibre now. You know, um, when they see Ancelotti at the helm at Everton, such an established manager, a manager that's used to winning at the highest level, and they look at some of the other players that have now joined there, they, I don't think players like Inisco would look at Everton now and think, why would I want to go to Everton? I think they'd look at an Everton and kind of think, I mean, if the, if the circumstances are right, I'll definitely be interested mm. in, in, in sort of, of at least inquiring down that avenue because you look at what they've got there now, 
there's no reason why not. And uh, it's, I don't want to say low risk or, or no risk, but I, I said the same thing with James Rodriguez. When, you, when he left Madrid or sort of on loan to go to Bayern, it, it's a club with equal sort of expectation levels where the spotlight's on you. He came to an editor and he's kind of like the main man, you know, and it, he, he's, I don't want to say it's a small pond. It isn't a small pond in Everton, but he's a big fish in a smaller pond than, than what it is, at, way smaller pond than what it is at Madrid. So it's like the, the pressure would be off a little bit and it wouldn't surprise me to see something similar to like a, a Hamas Rodriguez situation. Yeah, no, you're very right in what you're saying. And, and the examples I've used in earlier on in the season were Barkley and Grealish. At Aston Villa, they don't have the same scrutiny they would have at a top six club. So when they go there, they are the guys in that team. They're the, the ones that people look towards and they thrive off that leadership. And I think his goal would be very much the same at Everton. So Everton fans, let us know your opinions, obviously, on it. Get in the comments below. Um, yeah, if you think Isco's a good signing, great. If you've got any other signings, do let us know as well. And you know, we'll happily try and discuss it. But um, yeah, yeah, Isco to Everton, definitely one to watch out for there, bro. I think. Um, yeah. Going on to the uh, the Champions League now. We were going to talk about the Champions League and obviously you know, what's been going on. It's, it's a bit of a weird Champions League. It's it's enjoyable, but it hasn't really caught fire at the same time. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. It um. Th- there's been some good games. Um, you know, we can't say it hasn't. There's been there's some interesting groups, mm. um, tasty groups actually. I would say um, some groups where some big sides look like they might not get through, um, which you know, which always uh, spices things up a little bit. Um, I don't know if it's the, to do with the sort of the lack of crowd. I say I don't know. It, it is obviously to do with that, but yeah, um, I think last season um, the the coronavirus sort of stopped. Was it halfway kind of through the Champions League? We were already like, because it was about February, March, wasn't it? It all kicked off. Um, and I'm pretty sure, so yeah, some of the knockout stages had just start being played. Um, it was one that was it one of Liverpool games and one of the other games were the last games. Uh, Liverpool Atletico, that was the one. Yeah. yeah. Um, so last season, we kind of didn't have that full Champions League campaign without fans. So it's sort of like, we just rode the wave and carried on. So, you know, you're going to finish the Champions League. But mm. this year, we, we, from start, very start to end, or well, maybe by the end, we might see some fans. We don't know. But from the beginning, it's just been that flat atmosphere all around, isn't it? So you wonder yeah. if that's also contributed to um, some of these um, group sort of positions the teams are in because mm. you, you look at the lack of fans at home. Um, and you wonder if it's uh, caused some of these shakeups in the group. So, yeah, it, it's not been the same. Let's that's, that's not beat around the bush with that. You know, I'm sure we'd all agree that having any Champions League is better than having no Champions League. But um, I'm pretty sure we'd see quite a difference if we managed to get some fans back in the stadium by the end of the uh, tournament. Yeah, do you know the news about the vaccine? Me, me and Reese talked about it last week. Um, that's incredible because if we can get fans back in stadiums by, you know, maybe sort of April to May time, just for the sort of the climax of the season, that would mm-hmm. be superb, bro. Because I think we all need a dose of normality because COVID really shook everything up. Like you said, having no fans there evens the field, you know, that you've got these smaller clubs that are going to these bigger stadiums where usually they'd be passed off the park and they'd be there, they'd be intimidated. 
it's not happening, it's not there, they just go, it's, they get stuck into them. You know, you can hear every single word, they're not scared. And I think fatigue as well is playing a big part. You look at some of these teams, they're really struggling, bro. Like Real Madrid are the perfect example. Me and Reese talked about them last week, about how they're trying to buy their way out of trouble now in the summer or, or the summer after, depending on, you know, finances. Um, the spine of their team is just done. It's just gutted, bro. Like even Sergio Ramos, the guy that never gets injured, pulled up the other day with a hamstring injury. And COVID's really going to shake it up. I mean, could you see a surprise winner of the Champions League, do you reckon, this year? Um, I don't, I'm not too sure on that. I think you look at teams like Bayern Munich again, some squads have serious depth, like that Bayern Munich side. Mm. You're absolutely right when you say about Madrid, Barcelona. Barcelona in uh, La Liga are absolutely mediocre at best at the moment. Um, mm. They seem to be sailing through their group just fine, which just happens sometimes. You know, uh, how you perform in your, um, in your domestic league doesn't always correlate with how you perform in the Champions League. Yeah. Um, yeah. I can definitely see, maybe similar to last year, um, some of the underdog clubs get into the latter stages. You know, you think you, Leon aren't in it this year because I think they finished seventh in the French League last year, but they made it to the semi-final. Um, actually played quite well against Bayern Munich, give them a bit of a scare. Um, so I can definitely see, um, well, it, it looks like already you've got Madrid are in trouble in the group. Um, Inter Milan are in trouble in the group. Um, yes, in trouble. The United's group, you know, yeah. we'll, we'll come on to that, you know, in, in a few minutes' time. But there's some big sides that could go, early doors. Um, and then you get to the knockouts and it wouldn't at all surprise me to see at least a team, maybe two teams, get into the quarters and semis. That wouldn't normally be there under um, usual circumstances, should, should we say. Mm. But um, you look at clubs going through transition and transition stage, stages like Madrid and Barca, the pandemic isn't helping this because the, the rate of the fixtures, they, they're just coming thick and fast. And when you're you don't need that. You really, really don't. You need time to rebuild and you just aren't getting that at the moment. Yeah, COVID really put a spanner in the works. I'm trying to think of one team that I would maybe say would be an underdog, but I can't really think of one thus far. I mean, a Manchester United an underdog, would you say? A United and a... I mean... You would say yes in, in terms that they haven't really got anywhere near the latter stage of the tournament in recent years. They haven't mm. got past the quarterfinal, I believe. They beat, um, not PSG out, was it season four last? Yeah. And then Barca was it in the quarters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, if, look, if, if the Manchester United that um, spanked Leipzig and turned up a PSG turn up in the Champions League over a two-leg knockout, you know, it wouldn't um, shock me to see them make a semi-final, but I think other clubs would be a bit surprised. So I think they do kind of fall into that underdog category. Just looking at the groups now, you've got um, Group B, but Munch and Gladbach at top of that group with the Real Madrid. Inter good Milan. side. So good side, but again, in, you you wouldn't have normally predicted Munch and Gladbach to be getting into the further into the knockout stages. Yeah, you wouldn't. Inter Milan look like they're on their way out, possibly even Real Madrid. Um, and then you've got um, Atalanta, perhaps, in Liverpool's group. Um, mm, maybe, Atalanta, yeah. They play some good stuff. So, look, look, 
some of these teams are going to have to get there because yeah. not the guns are going to get there. So we're going to see someone like an Atlanta or a Munchen Gladbach or somebody in the quarters, maybe even the semis. Do you know who I think actually, now I, now I think of it, would be a good shout is Dortmund. Yeah. And they're not necessarily underdogs as such, but they wouldn't be one of the most fancied. But man, if you can keep Haaland fit, that guy is a tank. He is, he's going to be the player of his generation potentially. I was yeah, looking at a stat yesterday, bro. Actually, he is almost eclipsed the highest goals. The highest goal scoring Norwegian in Champions League history is Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. Yeah, he's got twenty goals, and Haaland's already on sixteen. <laughs> so he's going to overtake it. Yeah. You've got Lazio in that group as well, which are um, right behind Dortmund, and they play good football as well. So there's there's a lot of um, good footballing teams. You've got Lazio, Atalanta. Um, Munchen Gladbach, who play as we as people like to say the right way, really uh, amazing football on the eye. So um, I I wouldn't mind any of those teams sort of progressing further at all. Yeah, Sevilla is another interesting one actually. Now I think about it, Sevilla yeah. a very good side. This might be the one season that they don't drop into the UEFA. Uh, it's going to call it the UEFA Cup, the uh, the Europa League, should I say, and uh, and actually win it because. Yeah, COVID has thrown such a spanner in the works that your traditional sides that drop into the um, yeah. the Europa League, they're just not doing it right now. They don't look like doing it. They're, they're a weird side, aren't they, sometimes? Because mm. they seem to dominate um, the Europa League. Um, and then they get to the Champions League normally and they sort of run out of ideas. They run out of steam. But as you rightly said, uh, 2020 is a year like no other. So... Um, we, we, we couldn't rule out one of these teams getting to the final. Maybe even two of them. You know, you look at te- years when um, Porto and Monaco mm. were in the final yeah, yeah. As, a, as one of well, It does happen. Yeah, it does. It does happen. Yeah, it will be very interesting to see how it evolves. I'm hoping it's a bit more exciting as the knockout stages come and we maybe get yeah. a few bigger ties. Um, but yeah, yeah, you know, again, in the comments below, let us know, people, if you have a favourite you think might win it, if you think there's going to be an underdog that might win it, give us your opinions so, on it, we want to know. For those who don't know, I think the draw is December the 14th um, for the last 16. Um, I guess four teams already qualified, Chelsea, Sevilla, Barca and Juve. Before mm. Obviously, Bayern are three from three, they look like they're about to go through. Yeah, City are looking good, Liverpool looking good. Manchester United are looking good, but they only need a point. But their last two games are the two hardest games. They've got um, PSG at home, Leipzig away. So, I mean, it's really not against uh, the odds for them to lose both those games. You would not Um, put it past them, yeah. And, you know, it it wouldn't be the most ridiculous thing to happen. They're both good sides. So, Mm -hmm. yes, they only need a point. They're in a strong position, great goal difference. But, you know... This is what the Champions League is. They they could look strong all the way, and all of a sudden, two games left. They lose them both, and they're in the Europa League. So, yeah, no, that's very true, bro. Very true. It's interesting times. So, yeah, we'll obviously keep you posted on developments. But that is the Champions League roundup. Um, going on to FPL. Oh man, what a week! What a week! Vectacular storm back. He's been bantered on this podcast, and he came back and he thumped the boys. So, Vecchi ended on 89 points, Reese ended on 55, I ended on 73, which puts Vecchi on a total of 542, me on 541, and Reese is on 512. The top person in the league, uh, again, apologies, bro, if I'm saying your name wrong, uh, Havon Senor, I might, I might be saying that wrong, 
I don't know. Anyway, he's on 557. So it's very tight at the top. And remember, the winner comes on the podcast with us uh, at the start of next season or pre-season, so to speak. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, your advice, Becky, coming up for this week, seeing as you are now the star man. Yeah, so um, I'm quite enjoying this moment. I'm well, really disappointed that um, Reese isn't, isn't here. Um, you know, because I would quite like to rub it in with him live on air. But, um, you know, he's preoccupied with other things, probably um, probably just a bit upset and miserable, I'd imagine. That's, that's the reason why he can't be here. But, Do you know, yeah. the other day I put that Homer Simpson emoji in the group where Homer's in bed and he's tucked up in bed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's Reese right now. Yeah, he's fucking. Yeah. And, you know, the banter's fine. I take my fair share. He likes to dish it out. I like to dish it out. You know, everybody who watches this podcast will remember in the earlier weeks, Reese was giving it the big one. Oh, Vecchi's 40, 50 points behind already. Oh, God, all this nonsense. And I was just, just doing my thing. Just, you know, we've said many times in these early weeks that this season's been mad so far. And yeah, it has. Scoring the points normally aren't, but it will eventually come round to normal. Um, and that's finally starting to happen. So I had 89 points this week, 84 last week. What I will say, Spoon, is that you're still staying very consistent. You know, 73 points is kind of gone a bit under the radar because I had the best week. But 73 points is a very solid week. Yes. Yeah, you've had a few good back-to-back weeks now. Um, considering it's your first proper year in FPL. I know, you know right? I know. Pretty well. So, Reese, on the other hand... Mr. Inconsistent, um, he didn't have the best of weeks, did he? So he's finding himself at the lowest out of us three. Um, going forward, I've had a quick look at the fixtures this week. I tend to wait as you know, as we get a little bit closer to Saturday, Friday, yeah. Saturday. Um, where are we going kind of first? We're looking at captain picks, so we're going to look at sort of... Um, just in general, who's caught your eye, do you think, for the upcoming week thus far? Um, so I quite like my team um, as it is at the moment. Um, it's served me well the last two or three weeks now, so I won't really be making. I might even go unchanged, um, and I might bank that extra transfer for a double yeah. next week. Um, Bruno Fernandez, um, once again, you know he's got me twenty plus point hauls now, two weeks running. Yeah. Uh, so if we're looking at captain picks, he's the penalty taker. They're away to Southampton, but. Bruno, you know, midweek again, he got a brace. He should have had a hat-trick. Yeah. He, he's going to be up there for one of my picks. Jamie Vardy, the Leicester away to, uh, home to Fulham. He big could show. be a big uh, captain choice. Big, big um, Mane or Diego Jota, their way to Brighton. I'd be looking at those kind of players. But um, I don't have Vardy in my team. Um, and I, I don't have any... Liverpool players either, so it's probably going to be Bruno Fernandes for me. Mm. Um, maybe even a Zayet if you're feeling brave at home to Spurs in that derby. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think I'm probably going to bank my transfer. If I if I do make a change, I might take out Ward Prowse. Um, trying to think of where I'd really bring in. I need to have a, re- a proper look at it, but I've got some money in the bank. I've got about two million in the bank, so there's a little bit of a wiggle room there. Leeway, so. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, if you're going to listen to me, um, I'd look at a Jamie Vardy or a Bruno. If you've got a Liverpool forward, that would be my captain pick this week. And uh, yeah, I think I'm going to want to change. What about you? Interesting shouts, that is. Yeah, well, if you're looking to build from the back, now that's what I tend to do. I start off my team, I think, right, can I get 
you know, 18, 20 points from the back, and then I let the midfielders do their thing. So looking at the fixture list, I mean, the Leicester, I'm going to be going with, uh, I kind of looked ahead in advance with the fixture list. So I tried to plan three, four weeks in advance for my squad, which is why I played the wild card. So yeah, I am yeah. going to go with uh, Justin and Schmeichel in the back four. It's a bit of a gamble having more than one player from the same team, just in case something goes wrong. But yeah. you know, you've got to put your balls on the line sometimes. So that's what you I'm going to do. That's very true. So yeah, I'm going with Schmeichel. Uh, I'm going with Justin. Um, I'm going to have, I'll probably go with Zuma again. Uh, yeah, I know it's a derby, but I think Zuma will do okay. I don't think he'll be a very high score in derby. I think Chelsea defensively are very solid. Um, so that'll be relatively low scoring. And Zuma's pretty good from set pieces as well. So he's not a bad shout to have. Yeah. Um, that leaves me with Walker Peters or Target. Target really let me down because I think he was 4.5 million and Konsa was 4.7. And I thought, you know what, let me put in target because he's a left back. He might get an assist. Concer goes and scores a header, gets it, you know, eight points, whatever he got. And target got nothing. And I just remember fucking thinking, oh, my God, this is ridiculous. It's FPL for you in a nutshell, isn't it? But I'll give you so, a sort of a cheap and uh, pricier option. There's one player I've had in um, pretty much since he came back from injury earlier on in the season. And... I, I don't think he, I think he's giving me a decent haul every week is Chilwell yeah uh, Ben Chilwell even when he hasn't got a clean sheet he's either assisted or scored a couple so it's he's, he's just been an absolute wizard for me he's he is 6.1 million at the moment um, but he seems to be pretty much a banker to just get you points so far this season no matter who they play yeah because Chelsea yeah. are looking quite strong in t- defensively now um, so from a clean sheet perspective um, He's a pretty safe bet. And then, he's, you know, they're playing Spurs. All right, tough game, but there's going to be goals in that game. Um, there's a decent chance that Chilwell could be involved in that. Yeah. Um, so if you've got the money, um, he might be worth a shout. My cheaper option is someone who's been quietly doing the business for me um, for a number of weeks now, and that's Shea Adams. He has. <laughs> so he got me seven points this week. He's got me... Um, I think six, seven points, five points in the weeks before that. Five point nine million pounds. Um, so he's a very good, cheap alternative option. And you know, he's not a defender. So yes, they play Manchester United, but if there's goals, you know, there's a very good chance he could be involved. It doesn't matter if Southampton lose three, four, one to United, there's three, two. Mm. He could very well get you points. And if you're someone who's got maybe like a Rian Brewster, um, or a cheap striker um, who's not doing the business and you just need to freshen it up. Shea Adams is your guy because uh, he, he just he's always involved in goals for them. You know, mm. if Danny Ings is scoring them, Shea Adams is normally assisting them or, or the other way around. So um, if you're looking for a cheaper option, then that would be my pick, Shea Adams. Yeah, fact. I agree. Yeah, good shout, bro. Very good shout, actually. Just looking at the fixture list again, going back to obviously building from the back, um, I would say any Man City defenders against Burnley. Uh, Man City home to Burnley. If you're getting a Laporte or Diaz, you want them in. I think that's a pretty good shout. Um, yeah. Looking at the Everton game against Leeds, if you wanted Calvert-Lewin to be a captain, again, very good shout. You know, he's on, he's on flames right now. He's doing very well. Um, and yeah, the other games, I mean, Arsenal-Wolves is an interesting one. I don't think it'll be very high scoring. So, if you maybe wanted to sneak a T&E or Bellerin in, or maybe um, a Rob Holden. Rob Holden's actually quite cheap as well. So, 
you want to maybe put someone like that in and you want to maybe want to maybe take a chance then yeah i would yeah. certainly do that but there's some good options out there yeah and uh, lastly you mentioned obviously um looking ahead of the fixtures you know it's uh we're looking a month now until we're coming to the uh, the that Christmas congestion of fixtures, yeah, uh, which we all love. Um, if you've still got your wild card, well done, because a lot of us uh, have caved um, yeah. in the madness that it, that has been this season. Um, I certainly don't have it. You don't have it. I don't even think Reese has it. Do no, Reese well. uses. Yeah, we used it. So coming up to sort of uh, mid December, the next sort of two weeks. If you've got that wild card, because you're going to lose it um, come January, um, you want to start thinking about that. So maybe start making little uh, drafts of teams that you'd like to have and uh, ready for when sort of the a week before Christmas comes up so you can get that uh, best possible team uh, ready to go. Yeah, I did look ahead at the fixtures. I think it's around mid-December. It really starts to pile up. I think there's yeah. about three games in a week where I will probably end up using my triple captain then, depending on uh, on fixtures. So, yeah. just out of curiosity as well, triple captain and wild card, are you able to use them more than once in a season? No. No, so it's only once and it's done. Oh, sorry, uh, no, sorry yeah, the wild card you can use, um, you get one either side of the new year. Oh, basically. okay, got you. Because I'm new uh, to the C people, so this is this is not... Uh, yeah, you, you can't play... Um, multiple chips at the same time I don't think you can play your wild card and chips you've got to use them in all individual weeks but yeah you, you get the wild card before January and you get a wild card after January to the end of the season I got you I got you okay cool yeah time is running out people yeah it's come around quick actually isn't it if you think back to September when we were uh, talking about the league just starting again and all of a sudden it's Christmas and then before you know it, it's May, and yeah, we're all back outside enjoying life again. So yeah, interesting times. That is uh, some very good information from the man that's uh, that's top out of all of us thus far, people. So if you want to take it, take it, and if you don't, you're probably going to be bottom. So it's on. <laughs> we'll but uh, yeah, that's FPL. So uh, the uh, question you had, bro, uh, that uh, one of our viewers was going to give us this week, enlighten us as to what that is. Yeah. So um, it's. It's basically related to Liverpool's situation at the moment, and it's it's no secret that uh, when it rains, it pours um, in Anfield at the moment because their injury problems just seem to keep stacking up, whether that's COVID um, with Salah or actual injuries there. They're pretty thin on the ground at the moment. Mm. Um, having said that, they're doing very well still in terms of their results. And... Um, yeah, um, a friend of mine, um, Rich, is a Liverpool fan, just sort of come up in conversation um, the importance of James Milner um, in amongst them. And not just the importance now, but how sort of important he's been in his, his, his entire time there. Because we spoke before this uh, recording started, Spoon, about their injury issues, how many young players have had to fill in. And, it seemed that um, Milner's sort of game time was slowly dwindling as uh, this season was going on and, and after the back of last season. But all of a sudden, they're, they're up shit street a little bit of a paddle and uh, it's James Milner's the ones getting the game time again. It's James Milner that's playing um, in the positions that they need to fill and playing very well. And he was uh, a free transfer, um, mm -hmm. I believe. And uh, yeah, just wanted to kind of get... Um, your take on on how how good that free transfer was, kind of looking back now for what he's delivered them. I think he's played over 150 games for them 
yeah. he's there are all the stories about him being the fittest man there still and uh, nobody can get anywhere near him uh, how important it is to have someone with that experience in those big games um, and leading those young boys through now through a, a time where um, they're being tested yeah do you know what? He's, a very, he's a very bland character but he's a very interesting character at the same time his level of athleticism his level of professionalism his level of dedication to even still have the hunger to still want to be a part of something like that is quite frankly phenomenal you know we've all been in jobs where you know you kind of get to the end of the road and the hunger goes and the desire goes and you maybe don't put in a shift like you used to do um but with milner his heart's still in it and you know wherever he goes he acquits himself very well whether it's at leeds or man city or liverpool or anywhere else for that matter i think he's probably one of the best signings in liverpool's history um and that's not you know i'm not uh you know i don't undervalue him in any way i think he really is that guy when it comes to you know being a cost-effective signing i mean he's won bagfuls of trophies now he's got a massive influence over the squad he's popular in the squad he is someone that you can play him right back, left back. You could play him central midfield. You could probably play him on either wing right now, and he'd still put in a shift. Um, and, and someone like that, they're just—they're not easy to come by. They're not easy to come by. You know, United for years, their sort of title-winning sides had people like, for example, a Darren Fletcher. You know, a John O'Shea, Carrick. a Carrick. Yeah, these people are very underrated, and they can play multiple different positions. You know, John O'Shea is the one I he reminds me of. John O'Shea could play left back right back centre back he played in midfield he played in goals as well didn't he I think it was against Spurs maybe can't remember the team but those types of players you need them in your squad because not only do they plug a gap when you need them they're just instrumental in driving the team forward so I think he's a great player I think he's a great sign-in I think he'll go down as one of Liverpool's best sign-ins yeah and you know He's played for you know Man City um, and Liverpool, which are, are teams that, as as United fans, we're we're not overly fond of. So um, we're not going to act like we absolutely love James Miller as a football player. But as you rightly said, can't take anything away from his achievements, his attitude, his consistency, longevity, all those kind of things. Because you know he he burst on the scene as a 16-year-old, and in more cases, um, or more often than not, when that happens, a lot of those players aren't, you know, still performing at the level that Milner is come, was he 34, 34, yeah. 35? Yeah. Um, which is testament to him, really, because um, he burst on the scene at that age, um, and he's probably fitter now than he was then, which is the crazy thing. Mm. And he's, he's come to um, Liverpool's free transfer, and I don't think you're, you're too too far on when you say he's one of their best ever transfers because it it's all relative you know he's a free transfer and you look what he's achieved at that club and it would almost um, be an injustice to say he's a squad player because whilst he kind of is when whoever he comes in to replace he's almost at that sort of similar level in in many of those positions yeah. he's coming in the center field and say he's covered something like a jordan henderson you know he's probably going to do get a seven out of ten out of him um, and he's doing almost as good a job as a Henderson will, almost as good a job playing left back as maybe a Robertson would, maybe with not quite as a um, as much output going forward. But take your hat off to him. Um, some sign that he's been for them, and uh, I think he's going to continue to get a lot more game time with this situation. Um, and uh, I think Liverpool fans will be quite uh, 
quite happy that they've still got James Milner at the moment with everything going on. Yeah. Do you know, we tend to normalise um, young players coming through in, in football teams now. And we kind of take it for granted a little bit. To have left school or to have not left school, or let, let's say, you know, you're on the cusp of leaving school or you've just left school and you're playing Premier League football. That's fucking wild. Like, that's not normal. Like, and we kind of normalise it now. Everyone's like, oh, he's the next wonder kid. He's X, Y, and Z. That isn't normal for someone of that no. age to be doing that. And Milner was doing it. And you have to salute him for it. The sort of polar opposite of him, and maybe, you, well, you may remember him, Becky, you may not, um, would be somebody like a John Bostock at um, Crystal Palace initially. Mm. He broke in at Crystal Palace. Everyone thought this kid is going to be insane. He had offers from Real Madrid, Barcelona, all the big clubs, and he went to Spurs. And he just got lost in the quagmire. He couldn't make it at Spurs. It was just, it was the wrong move for him. He wasn't ready for it. And that just goes to show the level of, uh, sort of the mentality you have to have to play at the top level from a young age and not get lost, you know, in the source. Yeah. James Miller from, you know, 16 to 36, always at the top level. And as you say, always gives a 7 out of 10 minimum performance. You know, it's very rare you'll come away from a game and go, Milner was the worst one on the pitch. So, yeah, salute to him. He's a hell of a player. Yeah, 100%. And you mentioned other players like uh, John Bostock, Ravel Morrison. Yeah. Um, other good examples of talent will only get you so far. What's the thing that you say about them? Um, hard work and talent? Hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. Yeah, exactly. And it's very true. And yeah, Milner. Just showing that when you have the dedication and the right attitude and the hunger along, you know, we're not saying he isn't talented, um, but sometimes that's equally as important, if not more important than just having a raw ability. Oh, yeah. Don't detract from his talent because to play at that level, you have to have some sort of ability. You know, you have to be tactically aware. You have to have technique. There's so many different elements and so many different layers to great, it. Great right? penalty taker as well, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Again, another incredible skill. It's not an easy skill, bro. Do you know what I mean? You're in front of a crowd, you know, you've only got the keeper to beat. You know, you've got to have a set of balls. You think how many people in penalty shootouts turn down taking a penalty because they just can't handle it. So, it's, again, it's not an easy skill. So, um, yeah, salute to James Milner. Liverpool fans, get in the comments. Let us know. Do you think he is one of the best signings, if not the best signing ever at Liverpool? Um, if, you know, there's probably a few other ones that are very good, but be hard pressed to find a, a more cost-effective one, so to speak. Um, but yeah, that's uh, that's James Milner. Um, were there any other sort of bits and pieces you wanted to go over, bro? Or is, it, or is that it now? Do you think are we we done? I, th I think we yeah. I think we pretty much covered it, didn't we? Uh, yeah, we pretty much covered everything we had. Yeah. yeah, yeah, indeed we have. Cool. All right, so we may or may be back. Oh, sorry, we may or may not be back next week because um, transfer videos are coming up and we're going to get started on them. So. Again, uh, if you have a team, as we said last week, that you're a fan of and you want us to do a transfer video, let us know. You know, we'll happily take a look and see what we can do. Um, but I imagine, again, we'll be looking at sort of, you know, the top six clubs and a few other ones, too, that are quite interesting. So they will be uh, being prepped uh, around mid-December time and they should be yeah. out there come early January for the, uh, for the transfer window. Um, but in the meanwhile, obviously, like, subscribe, you know, comment below, let us know what you think. And uh, we'll be back next week, people. So take care. See you then. Ciao.